Good evening. Tonight, we are doing Q&As. So if you have any cues, go ahead and uh, add them to the, uh, the comments, and we will get to your cues. Uh, and hopefully give you some good A's from them. Uh, so we, I'm Victoria with Dream Dogs. Our webinar is on Tuesday nights at 5.30 p.m., which is right now, um, Eastern Standard Time on our Facebook page called Central Florida Dog Trainer. And the, uh, the next day, on Wednesday, we usually upload it to our podcast called How to Train Your Service Dog, and we upload it to YouTube. So people can get it on either of those, uh, those uh, mediums, mediums, ways. All right, we use the big fancy words. Okay, so we are doing Q&As today. Uh, and your first cue, if you're watching this, is going to be, why are you wearing a hat? I'm wearing a hat because uh, we went to Universal and I've been looking for a hat because my nose gets a little bit pink and I don't want that to happen. My face get a little bit pink. So I got a hat yesterday and I had a couple clients come over today to work and we worked outside uh, in the sun in Florida and I didn't want to get burned. So I put the hat on and now I have hat hair. So I get to wear a hat for the webinar and then it'll come off. Um, plus I'm kind of breaking it in. So if you notice, it is my Slytherin hat. Uh, because I was sorted into Slytherin house, and so was Luke, my son, and Gypsy is Slytherin also, because we ordered a wand from her on Amazon, because it's only $10 on Amazon, and I don't want to pay $50 for a real wand and have, you know, her slime it up, um, but it was $10, and it was going to be one of the, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get matched up with, you know, whatever, and she got sent Draco Malfoy's wand, so she's also Slytherin. So we've got three Slytherins, and Rich is, I believe he's Ravenclaw. Um, so, you know, that works. Um, Luke got his uh, robes yesterday and a pendant and some other stuff. Um, Rich has his wand, but I've got my hat so far. And I need to get an interactive one, but I have not done that yet. So that's the story of why I'm wearing a hat. Um, the next story I'm going to tell you about, this is really super fun, guys. Uh, we had group class on Sunday, and afterwards we had a couple clients. So we're sitting up front. Um, and we're, we're working with the clients and with the dogs and neighbors ride by um, two neighbors on two horses ride by. And I'm like, Oh, how cute is that? Right. Then a little while later, one of the horses comes back without the rider, but with the, the saddle and stuff on beautiful horse, big horse, uh, Pinta. So he's running down the road though, guys. And we're on a us highway 301. So we're on a pretty not major, major road. It's still just a two lane and we're still out in the boonies, but it's not like a dirt road that you don't get any traffic on. Like we get a lot of traffic on 301 here. So he goes next door to the house with the donkey. If you guys have been here, you know where I'm talking. And he, this has happened before and he's run in to be with the donkey. So that's what we were hoping would happen, but it didn't happen. And he starts coming back this way. Now he's, he's traveling right by the road. And you know, we see it and we're like, ah, oh, what do you do? So I told Rich, I'm like, go open the gate because we do have a gate at the front of the property that we have to open and close every time somebody comes and goes or they have to open and close it. Uh, and I thought if we can get the horse in here, then at least he's safe from the traffic because our whole property has a six foot chain link fence the whole way around it. They've had horses on the property before. We have a barn with two stalls in it, you know, that if we would need to. So like we're set. So Rich goes down there 
to open up the gate and the horse is waiting at the gate. Like he is waiting at the gate. He is so ready to come in because he didn't know what the heck was going on. He just wanted someplace safe. And then a guy comes up as Rich is getting to the gate, a guy comes up who was the owner. So he he took the horse by the reins. and But if it wouldn't have been for us, the horse would still be running on 301. Um, and like all the cars were slowing down and, uh, you know, everyone was worried they were going to hit this horse who was running up the road and down the road. So, um, so yeah, so I was this close to having a horse, <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, that's my two fun stories that I've got for you this week, guys, is I almost got a horse and I have had hair, so I'm wearing a hat tonight, but hopefully I won't get a burned head or a burned nose anymore. Um, now, like I said, we do have some questions and I'm going to start with the questions from our How to Train Your Service Dog online course members Facebook group. Uh, for that, we have, and if you guys have questions, just go ahead and type them in the comments. And when we have a break in questions, I'll get to them as well. Uh, so Kimmy asked how to keep your dog productive uh, during a break in training. How to keep your dog productive during a break in training. So I know Kimmy just moved cross country and it's, you know, it can be hard and there's going to be a break in training and you don't want your dog to lose what progress you've made. But, you know, maybe you just don't have the time to, to train your dog at this point. Maybe your dog's sick. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're too busy to. And you know what? This has happened to us. It's happened whenever Gypsy's gone into heat twice. Um, it's happened, let's see, we got her in, she was born in August. We got her in October. The um, That Thanksgiving, that November to December, I got sick. I was sick, you know, whenever you get sick, it's not anything quick. So I was uh, not feeling great for about three weeks in total. So she didn't get a whole lot of training during that time. So here's my advice if you, you have to take a break in training for whatever reason. And that is to have her work for her food. And usually you're going to have the dog sit and wait, and then you're going to put it down and release your dog and your dog's going to eat. Instead, use it as a training opportunity. So have the food. Have your dog sit. I mean, they could be easy things. I have your dog sit. Your dog sits, click and treat and throw down a handful of food. Your dog's going to snarf it all up. Um, then have your dog come back. Have your dog down. Your dog downs. Tell your dog down. Hand deliver. Food right to him. Don't toss it where he has to get up. But say down. Your dog downs. Hand deliver. Room service, right? Room service that food right to that dog. Okay? And... Tell him again once he eats that. Don't do a whole big thing because this it'd be weird and he drops some and then he'd break down. Then tell him again, down and room service. Down and room service. Click and toss it. Okay? Does that make sense? Room service is for keeping that dog in position, but the click releases the behavior. So you can do that. And really, if you do just a few, and why do we do this? I've had a few dogs this week come in and <laughs> it's Monday. Oh, no, it's Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Um, but they don't know the difference between sitting down. You're like, oh, Vicky, they know the difference between sitting down. No, sit means change your position. It doesn't mean butt on the ground and shoulders up higher with feet on the ground. It just means change position. So I want you guys to try this with your dog right now and have your dog sit. And when your dog's in a sit position, tell your dog to sit again and see what happens. And what likely will happen is your dog goes into a down or goes into a stand. And that's because your dog knows sit means change position. So by doing the sit and room service, sit and room service, sit and room service, and then click and toss, you'll teach your dog to hold that position. Now you can also use the good. 
But here's something from Nipopo, you guys ready? From Bart and Michael. Uh, they don't use good or bridging the good, 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 good. They don't do that because you can't do that whenever you're in competition. Uh, instead, they just use that word. Rich was having a problem with that because he's like, we tell people not to repeat commands all the time. And I'm like, technically, you're not repeating commands because what happens and what he means, and I totally know what where he's coming from, right, is um, sit, 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 he sat. No, 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 no. We don't want that. But once the dog knows it, because we don't want to name it until we love it. We want to shh and not say anything until the dog knows it. But once he knows it, we name it, then we could name it and extend it. Okay, so just try that and see how that goes. Um, but yeah, make it easy. Just do training time is meal time, five to seven minutes during meal time. Um, most dogs eat once a day, most adult dogs do. A lot of people want to feed twice a day. Most dogs don't need to eat twice a day. So, you know, you can always go down to once a day feeding. Um, you could do twice a day. I mean, you could do it, gosh, while you're brushing your teeth, do hand signals. Two minutes while you're brushing your teeth, hand signals and do it. Uh, one thing that trainers say all the time is, I don't have time to train my own dog because I'm so busy training everybody else's dog. And yep, that is true. That is totally true. But guess what? You have five minutes a day. Even if you're on the toilet, you have five minutes a day that you can train your dog and you need to train your dog. You know, so I know it's easy to get sidetracked with everything going on, but you have to put five minutes aside to train your dog. Okay. That's a rule. It's a Vicky rule. You got to do. Um, Abby says, Tips for preparing a dog for a big event coming up. Oh, that's a good one. So we've had big events. Uh, some of them are dog events. Some of them are people events that we take dogs to. And then some of them are just, um, you know, you have a wedding planned uh, and your dog might not be going. Uh, but it's still stressful in the household coming up. Now, I know Abby has a service dog in training, so I'm going to address it from that angle first. So if you have a big event coming up, what I need you to do as early as possible is figure out what does your dog need to do to be successful for this event. Chances are very likely that if it's a big event, your dog might benefit from having a crate with a room in a room with a door between the crowd in him in case he needs some downtime, okay? So if you can, when we first got Arrow, uh, not first got him, we had him for a couple months, I think, and one of uh, Rich's family friends who lived down here in Clearwater had passed away. So we went down for the funeral. Now the Gainesville to Clearwater is about two hours or so, and we didn't want to leave Arrow at home for the two hours down there, the two hours black, plus the two to four hours that we were going to be in Clearwater for the funeral and everything. That was too long. He was still puppy. You know, we got him. He was six or seven months old. So we didn't want to leave him for that length of time. Now, the girls, Jedi and Zoe, not a problem leaving him that long. They had, you know, bladders of, of steel. It wouldn't make a difference. But Arrow, we didn't want accidents. So what we did is we brought Arrow down with us along with a crate. We got there, I pottied arrow, Rich put the crate up and we created arrow, you know, um, and we went to the funeral, we changed, we went to the funeral, we came back, we got him out, we played with him in the yard, we worked him a bit, we put him back in the crate. Um, we did the, I don't wanna say after party, but the, um, the meet mingle and the talk afterwards and then we drove home. So it worked, okay? Um, whenever Rich and I got married many years ago, my family had um, Maddie, who was our golden retriever. And we had kids come up. We had a bunch of people come over. Maddie was a golden. She was fine with it. You know, it wasn't an issue for her, which was really nice. Uh, so that wasn't needed. Um, 
I have stuff that we do. So we go to uh, the International Association of Canine Professionals annual conference in September. Uh, I do dog workshops. I'll travel around the country doing workshops with people. Um, I just did Nipopo. So I know when it is and I know what I need. What do I usually need? Or we'll do events like we did the special needs expo in uh, in January in Gainesville. And I know when I go there, I need my dog to do place. And I need my dog to do place for like hours. I need my dog to be good with people because <laughs> people are going to come up. I need my dog to be good with people coming up and petting them without him knowing that they're there. I need my dog to potty on command. Um, some tricks are always fun because people like tricks. And so what I'll do is I'll say, okay, in, for example, in May, we go to Nipopo school in two months. For that, what do I need? I need her to have super food drive. I know I have to have that clicker loaded with dynamite. Uh, and how do I do that? Well, let's get that going now. I don't want to wait until then to do it. So that's, we're working on all that stuff now. Uh, for September for conference, I don't know if she's going to be able to go because she might have puppies in her. So say she's going to go, I need her to be able to hold a downstay for two plus hours, two to three hours. I need her to be excellent on leash. I need her to have her tasks down. Fantastic. So, you know, I'll make a list of that and I'll do it in my training binder because I have the timeline on there. So I'll write in September of 2019, you know, IACP conference and what I need to know. And then I'll go through the months beforehand what I need to teach them. For example, if I need to teach my dog place for three hours, well, if I need to teach the down for three hours, right, I might want to do place for three hours first and then do down for three hours because place is just a little more comfortable. Okay. So you just, you want to break them down into bite-sized pieces and then work it. Because how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> Maddie says, what are the best ways to advocate for yourself and your dog with a new doctor or therapist? And then she has two other questions too. So we'll do them one at a time. So the best way is to advocate for yourself and your dog with a new doctor and or therapist. I like to, sometimes I'll let them know that I have a service dog and sometimes I'll just show up with a service dog. Uh, usually I do just show up with them because if you tell them, they're not going to remember. Uh, and, and I'll just show up with them. My dogs know under. So as soon as we get there, they under the chair uh, and, and they wait wait there. So usually we get a lot of nice compliments from the people in the waiting room. And then we go in and actually I just started a new doctor. When was it? November, December, something like that. I started a new doctor up here in the villages and she is amazing. And I just showed up with Gypsy. And she's like, oh, who's this? I said, this is Gypsy. I said, she's my service dog. And we talked a little bit about it and she was great with it. And then Rich went for his doctor appointment. So I went with her and we brought Gypsy again. And then um, I went another time and I didn't bring Gypsy. This is whenever my knee was really bothering me. And she's like, where's Gypsy? So my doctors have been really good for the most part. Now I did have a doctor in Maryland um, for the syncope who thought I was faking it. So he sent me over to John Hopkins, uh, which is also in Maryland, uh, for them to tell me that I was faking it. And they're like, you're not faking it. I'm like, I know. Um, and that was right whenever I first had Boo. So I don't think I brought her with me. Um, but yeah, so that's why I don't require a doctor's letter is some doctors are wankers. Most of them are great, but sometimes you get those ones who are like, oh, you're faking. Blah. So if I needed him to write me a letter, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but yeah, so it's just best to, you know, I'm just upfront about it. I don't ask, can I bring my service dog? I just show up with her. Um, the cancer gyno, 
I actually have an appointment tomorrow in Orlando. Okay. Um, I brought Gypsy. And when we had Roma, I brought Roma because they had an elevator and we needed elevator experience. So we, I brought both of them to go see them. And they didn't even say anything like, oh, this is a different dog. Because, you know, we usually have our dog trainer shirts on. So I assume they figure that, you know, like, oh, they're training multiple dogs. Okay. Uh, if you want to print up the ADA frequently asked questions on service dogs, highlight the applicable parts. So whenever you go there, you can just say here, I just thought I'd bring this for your for you guys, um, just for your information. Um, so you know what your rights are for service dogs because you know what guys businesses have rights not just people the businesses have rights as well and sometimes um i just saw something on facebook i didn't read the whole thing um that there's a dog there who's barking and lunging at everybody and whenever they ask them to leave they threaten to sue so they end up having to keep these dogs there and that's not right so businesses have to know that they have rights too so i always try to do that okay now i have not brought my doctors in or my doctors, my dogs into the dentist with me. Cause I'm thinking if, if I'm getting a cavity or whatever, I don't need a gypsy fur floating in there. Um, I would bring them in if Rich was going in the, in the room and just keep in the waiting room. Or sometimes I just stay outside and I'll work them there. If he's going in, um, poodle stuff, I'd probably bring a poodle into the dentist. Um, but that's just me. Um, I haven't brought gypsy in just cause she does shed and no one needs fur in their filling. Uh, next question from Maddie is best grooming products you enjoy to use in between baths. <laughs> so I, we have a foam thing that smells really good. It smells like mango. And I'll use that sometimes with the dogs, but I just, I bathe them. So Gypsy had got a bath before we went to silver school last month. And I just gave her a bath a couple days ago, Sunday morning, I think, um, cause she was dirty. So sometimes she gets uh, every other week, sometimes she gets weekly, sometimes she gets monthly baths. Uh, I don't really use too much in between except for brushes. And with Gypsy, I use a slicker brush, I use a comb, I use a, um, what is it? It's not a bristle brush, but it's it's like the, um, the metal tines, not boar bristle, but like a metal brush. I'll use that with her. Uh, I don't really use a Ferminator, but I used one a lot with the, uh, with the German Shepherd that we had. Um, Rich got me a silver comb that each of the, um, the tines on the silver comb twirls individually. And so that's nice for getting out mats. I also have a mat, a dematter, um, and that can kind of cut through mats so you can save some of the fur. So we'll use that. Um, I did a grooming episode whenever we still had Roma here and talked about some of these, but I'll probably do another one coming up soon. Um, now I know Maddie has a, a lab and she has a chihuahua, but I think it's a long coated chihuahua. So, you know, you need to know what to do, especially with the service dogs, just because they are out in public, you know, you don't want one gross. Um, now I have heard from uh, quite a few people that Gypsy is unique in that she doesn't, she doesn't have an oily coat, nor does she smell gross like I guess a lot of golden smell gross so yay for us um lucky I guess and Maddie also asked any new things you like to add to a training binder lately I haven't really added too much lately I have uh the cards um Gypsy's doing really good I don't technically need the cards up I still keep them up kind of as decoration so I can point them out whenever people come in on how to do it uh, but I could take those down and put them in a 
uh, a zip, um, you know, a zipper binder clicky thing, um, like a pencil holder for your binder, but it's the zippy one that fits in the binder. So you could do that with them whenever you're done with them. Um, the uh, Gypsy's getting her trick dog stuff in there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really haven't added anything new to it. And her medical records are in there, you know, so whenever we go to the vet, that gets added in there. You know, I could put in there her, this, this is her letter from Allegiant saying she can fly with Allegiant, but I know if I put it in there, I will forget it. So actually this is out because this has to go back into my suitcase. So I don't forget it if I fly Allegiant again, because it's good for a year. I wish I could upload it onto my thing. So they just have it there. But right now that's not what we do. Uh, that's not what they do. That's not an option. Uh, Christina asks about training during health flares. Yeah, so that's similar to Kimmy's question earlier. What do you do when you can't? And the answer is five minutes. So even if you're like, I can't move, like you guys know that my knees have been um, sore. You know, that's why I had to take the crutches. I've been doing wheelchairs and oh my God, another tangent on Vicky. I told you that I was seeing a lot of butts and crotch. I'm also, <laughs> guess what I've been seeing lately. And this is at the parks because it's really the only place I use the wheelchair. Um, butt cracks sticking up the top, butt cheeks sticking underneath, and a poo spot on a grown man's pants. And my husband's like, well, maybe he just sat in something. I'm like, well, he picked the just right place to sit on something. So you know what? I don't want to, no one wants to see butt crack, butt cheeks, or poo spots. And it was just gross. So, um, so health flares. So if I can't move and I'm sitting there because my knee's sore, I will have Richard Luke bring me the dog and I will just work them through while I'm sitting there. It is lazy training. So one of the things that you guys have to do is get good at lazy training. You want the dog to act and you want to react to it. Okay. For example, we had a dog out today and we were working on go to a target. Now the dog goes to place. So we could have got a play sport out, but the owner wants to train her dog to get up on her back is a trick, not a task, just a trick. So I have these, we call them portals to hell, but they're not, they're just vinyl discs and they're really thin. And the nice thing about them is you can put them anywhere, but what it does is it reminds me of coyote and road runner where they would have, you know, the hole and the road runner would go over it and then coyote would go over it and fall. So we call Rich and I call them portals to hell. Um, and so we put it down for her to investigate and she wasn't because we were in the room with all the food and she was very interested in that instead. So we could get her on leash and make it shorter or go somewhere else. Um, and he, or, and, and her dog, you know, sniffed it, click treat, touched it, click treat, walked over it, click treat. Even at the end, cause the dog was, was done with training. The dog didn't know why we were click treating. Um, so for that, I would probably take the dog into a less distracting environment, maybe take him into the bathroom with me and shut the door and put it on the ground. So shut the door. It's boring. What am I going to do? Oh, here's one new thing on the ground. So there you can just sit and click and then toss handfuls of, of your dog's food to him. And it's super easy and, uh, and it works really nicely. And then your dog gets trained while your dog eats. And it takes you five to seven minutes because I've timed it. And it takes five to seven minutes um, for the dog to eat everything. And that's giving them handfuls of food. Okay. Terry asks about dog boots. She says Goose is a year old and she needs to get some for this summer. So there's two main companies that make dog boots. And both of them offer service dog discounts. One of them is Roughwear, And that's usually what we go for. Um, I don't remember what. 
exactly ones it is, but it's not the ones with the tops on them, right? Um, they look like low rise sneakers. Uh, so we'll go with those or, and if you want the links, cause I can, I can find the links. Let me look while I'm talking here. Rough wear dog gear. So if you go to roughwear.com, R-U-F-F, W-E-A-R, you go to shop and you look at boots. It's pulling up. They are the grip text. That's what we use in Florida, okay, or the grip text. Um, they are $75 for all four of them. Uh, now, most people want to get two and two because front feet are different from back feet. So those work. However, if your dog has dew claws, it is going to hit you right at your dog right at that point for the dew claw. So if you wear these with your dog, you need to wear, you need to have your dog wear socks. Now they have socks. I don't care for their socks. They're too tight. Hi, honey. Hi. Right. Get that little nod like, that's right. right. Whatever she's saying. Sorry to interrupt. Are you talking about dog shoes? We are talking about dog shoes. Okay, good. So that's rough wear. That's my tried and true. That's what I always go with. But we also get dogs in who don't have booties. So we have a pair of hot doggers from Mutlucks. That's M-U-T-T-L-U-K-S. Okay. There's no C in there. It's Mutlucks with no C. So we've had hot doggers. So the dogs who come out who don't have booties, we wear the hot doggers on them. Okay, and there's also Wolf Walkers. So we have, and then I think the original ones. So I think we have one of each. Now, they also have their Mutt Trackers, which look a lot like the Roughwear ones, and the Mud Monsters. So we actually got Gypsy the Mud Monsters because it comes in purple and matches her vest. And we brought it with us to Universal yesterday because if it got hot enough, we were going to put the booties on them. It didn't get hot enough. So we didn't have to put the booties on them, but we have a pair of the mud monsters. Now it looks more like a high top whenever she's wearing it, but that works. But yeah, so those are the booties that we use. Now I know there's other places that do booties. Um, the problem with other places that have booties is they're not always tried and true. So they might be crappy booties that, um, that you, you put on and it flings off or your dog gets blisters or it doesn't do right stuff. Uh, so, so you have that in the back of your head. Like I've had people uh, who they, um, they buy the booties and the booties fling off whenever the dog walks, right? It happens. Uh, so we, we try to prevent that. And so I do recommend the good ones because of that. And they're usually easier to put on. So yeah, look into those, but make sure you sign up for their service dog um, discount because it's about half price. It's really nice. And if you're a member of IAADP, International Association of Assistance Dog Partners, um, you can get a discount on the Mutlocks. But if you go to uh, Roughwear and you scroll to the bottom of the page there, you can sign up for the discount there. So then Jackie asks, what are the best tricks to train dogs? Okay, and then she has another question, but we're going to start with that one. The best tricks depends on the dog that you have. Okay. If you have a dog who loves to touch with his nose, you want to look for nose based tricks. If you have a dog who's very paw, you know, he wants to bap everything with his paw. You want to find tricks that utilize that. Um, if you have a dog who likes to have stuff in his mouth, you want to look for the retrieve and the fetch games for him. You know, so there's different, it depends on the dog. We had a woman who 
uh, signed up. She wanted to do our trick class because we used to teach a trick class when we were in Gainesville. So she wanted to teach her dog fetch, but her dog just wanted to lay by her. She was in a wheelchair. Um, her dog just wanted to chill out and just lay right by her and didn't want to go away from her to fetch. So, you know, instead of fetch, which is what she wanted, we worked on what the dog wanted, which were things to keep them close, which would be like a high five, shake hands, spin, um, you know, maybe roll over, things that he could do close to her. So you need to take that into account as what does your dog like to do best? Uh, there's a couple trick books out there. Um, there's an app. Let me look up the app um, from Sarah Carlson. Um, we were talking about it at... Um, at conference this year, um, we sat together and we were talking because, uh, you know, I know her from way back when, and it's called Pupper, P-U-P-P-R, P-U-P-P-R, so Pupper with no E, and, um, and, and she has that, and it's a free app, you can upgrade in there if you want to, um, that's good, um, there's some other trick dog books out there, there's a bunch of videos, uh, here's the problem, guys, is... Most of the trick people are the pure posse zealots. So I'm not, I don't want to recommend you to a YouTube channel because there's a good YouTube channel, but she is a crazy person when it comes to it. She wears, you know, no shock collars, shock collars are the devil. Anyone who uses them should be tortured type of that t-shirts. And I don't want to put up with that crap. So if you can weed through that, um, message me and I'm happy to share some, some info with you. Uh, but yeah, just start easy. Uh, we're actually, Jackie, next month uh, for group classes, we are going to do tricks. We're going to work towards novice trick dog titles. So that should be super fun. Uh, and novice trick dog, if your dog has the canine good citizen from AKC, all you need is five tricks. Okay, and then Jackie also asked the best way to avoid um, separation anxiety. And that is great. But give me one second to have a drink first. Thank you. So um, best way to avoid separation anxiety is to make comings and goings low key. So you put your dog in the crate, you ignore him for five minutes before you go. None of that. I'll be right back. Be a good girl. Mommy's going to love you and miss you. Just put him in the crate, ignore him for five minutes before you go. Put your shoes on, get your purse, grab your keys, everything. Grab your water bottle because you live in Florida and it's wicked hot and just go. When you come back, make trips short in the beginning, guys. Even if you're house training your puppy, wait for your dog to chill, relax, and then let him out. If you come home and your dog's like, at the crate and you let him out, you are reinforcing and rewarding that state of mind. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to reward and reinforce that state of mind. You want to reward and reinforce a nice, calm, awesome state of mind. So keep that in mind. Uh, if your dog does whine, if you leave him with somebody and he whines, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to ignore you until you stop whining. You know what happens a lot of times? Now, I was at a workshop in the beginning of February that a friend was doing and another friend was hosting. So I went over and uh, it was Duke Ferguson's workshop over in Jacksonville at Ann Baxter's place. So uh, so we're, I'm sitting there and I'm just watching, you know, I'm not teaching it. So I'm just watching. And the dogs who are whiny, you know what the owners are doing? Yes. Guess what the owners are doing? The dogs are whining. They're like, shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's okay. The dog's whining and jumping on the laps. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And they're petting the dogs. The dogs are good and calm and on the ground. 
and they're totally ignoring their dogs. Guess what they're reinforcing? Yeah, that crazy state of mind. We don't want to reinforce that crazy state of mind. So instead, what we would do would be while the dog's lying down being good, I might room service them a, a, a food, right? I might just stroke them. Good girl. I like this behavior. If the dog starts whining, I'm going to give them a correction because they know that's not right. No, if it's a puppy, it's a little different story. If it's a young puppy. Um, but you want to expose your dog to some stresses because if you don't expose your dog to some stresses, your dog doesn't know how to handle it when it actually happens in real life. And then you get these dogs who just can't handle the world. And it's terrible. Okay. So if you guys have any questions, go ahead and comment and I will get to them. I have a few more to go through and then I'm going to start doing the comments on here. Okay. Um, so story says, this is in the how to train your service dog Facebook group that's open to the public. So you can go on Facebook on how to train your service dog and find it. Um, but story says, how about managing multiple dog households when you have pet dogs, service dogs in training and retiring service dogs? Uh, girl, you asked the right person for that one. So we have a service dog because Gypsy's a year, well, over a year and a half now, a year and a half and a month. And so she's official service dog. Um, Rue's a washout. Zoe only got to work for about a month because of her back. Um, we're going to be having puppy coming in, Malapuppy. Um, we have boot camp dogs in here all the time. But whenever we had last year, I had Era, who was my service dog. I had Gypsy, who was my service dog in training. And I had Roma, who was my service puppy. And I had the two border collies who aren't service dogs. And it's totally doable. I crate the puppies. Until they're about six months old, they're in crates a lot because I don't trust them. Uh, the service dog ones, they all get that five minutes plus of training time a day or more. But we, we give them all some time a day. Now, the Border Collies, not as much. Rue, it's almost like I'm trying to turn Rue into a service dog back up. Yeah, that's not going to happen. He doesn't want to work for me. And he prefers Rich and Luke so, and Autumn or anyone other than me, which is hard on me because I want to be the most loved. But... I can't be always the best love, so I'm okay with that. So, yeah, Rue, I was trying to work when all he wanted to do was paw at me or nose me. And I'm like, no, I want you to do this. And he's like, paw? I'm like, no, this. He goes, paw. Food for paw. And then he runs off. I'm like, no, that's. And again, I could leash him. You know, there's a lot. But, you know, we were just playing around a little bit to see, and it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so they'll get some, like, uh, I'll work the boot camp dogs. And Gypsy has her e-collar on. She's on place working on a nice leave-it. Uh, Zoe is out there. Zoe usually puts herself on place or she'll just lay down. Um, the boot camp dog will get training. And when the boot camp dog's done, they'll get some rewards. If I'm just working on Gypsy, you know, we're working right now. The newest is leg weave. So we'll do some leg weave and she'll get treats and Zoe will get treats. So the old ones, they just get treats for just for being there. Um, the young ones, they actually have to earn it. And even whenever we brought Gypsy in and Arrow uh, didn't come out with me all the time because Gypsy needed the training, he was okay with it because we made sure we gave him extra time and extra play time. And now Christina says about that question, the question was how about managing multiple dog households when you have pet dog service dogs and training retiring service dogs? Christina says this, it seems like Conrad would rather play with the other dogs than pay attention to me. It's a huge struggle right now. Uh, and Stephanie says, that's exactly why I haven't gotten a second. I fear she'd only want to play all day long. So for that, that's where the crate comes in handy, guys. If they're allowed to play with the other dogs all day long, they will. 
So we don't, I don't want playing in my house. I've got five plus acres outside. I want them to go outside and play. So outside they can play. Inside they have to be good. And if they want to go talk to, you know, go hang out with the other dog instead of hang out with me, that's where tethering comes in. So I would put a leash on them and I'd put a hand, well, hands-free leash and attach it to their collar so they don't have that. And I do that and guess what? My dogs hang out by me. You know where Gypsy is right this second? Underneath the desk sleeping on my foot because my foot's warm and I know it's her. Yeah, it's her because she's cold. Uh, so yeah, that's what we do. And then because I'm the one who feeds them, usually Rich feeds them a lot too, but I'm the one who trains. I'm the one who she's with all the time. Like she knows it. So what I would do, Christina, would be to crate Conrad or crate the other dogs more. Um, while you're working him, they can be outside. While, and then make sure that they're inside while he goes outside because you don't want the fun time when they're doing fun stuff for him to have to be working because it'll be like the kid who has to miss out on recess to do school work and he'll just get resentful. So you have to make sure that you do the fun time with him. And if the fun time is tossing a ball or getting a chuck it or, you know, tossing a Frisbee or just being outside with him, you know, helping him explore things, you know, that's a big thing. Um, Nelson Hodges does it uh, quite a bit. And what he'll do is he'll take the dog after a training session, he'll put the dog on a leash and wherever the dog goes, he'll follow. You know, and, and if the dog wants to go sniff every heel, he will on hands and knees, from what I understand, from what people have told me, he will on hands and knees go over there and sniff the same spot. And the dog's like, dude, you smell it too? So, you know, you can try that and see if that works. I have not done that yet. But let me know how it goes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'll play all day long. Uh-uh, not going to happen. Um, they can play during outside play times, but not all the time. Uh, Story also had another question, which is, or very early socialization and exposure for young pups. Well, hopefully we'll be getting Malinois puppies soon, and you guys will get to see all of that. Because I'm all about exposing and getting those young puppies out there because this is going to be their job. I do not wait until they are four months old and fully vaccinated. I will get them out at eight weeks old because guess what? It's a big wide world, but I'm also smart about it. I do not take them to dog heavy places. I do not take them to Petco, PetSmart you know, any of the pet stores. I take them to dog-friendly places that aren't dog-heavy. Lowe's, Home Depot, you know, in front of Walmart, um, tractor supply, depending on your tractor supply. I mean, if you're in a super busy area and there's tons of dogs in there, or did you see the one, the guy brought the big old steer in with the big horns in Texas? Because, you know, Texas, um, you know, you need, oh no, maybe that was one of the pet stores, not tractor supply. Anyway, you know, you have to know your locations. Farmers markets, some of them are dog friendly. Some restaurants are dog friendly. Make sure you have cleanup kits because your dog will have an accident at some point. Do your best to not have your dog have an accident inside the store. Um, for example, Gypsy, we parked at Hollywood Studios last week. I'm in the wheelchair. Rich is pushing me. I had Gypsy. Luke had Zaya. We're walking towards the front. And from where you park to walking up, you have to get all the way up to the front. To, for a grassy spot. Well, Gypsy couldn't hold it that long. She had to poop. And so she pooped on the sidewalk. What are you going to do about it? It's outside. She had to poop. We were trying to get her to the grass, but it's a hike. And this was, we parked in the handicap spot. And I'm like, really people? We need to do something about this. So, uh, so yeah, but, but we do it, but we also only do two to five minutes in the stores. You know, even two minutes is pushing it with some of the dogs at first, because we want to make sure they don't have accidents inside. We want to make sure we're welcome back. Uh, and Florida does allow service dogs in training the same accessibility as fully trained service dogs. 
So, you know, I can take Gypsy, her first week with us, uh, we went to Tractor Supply, we went to McAllister's, I want to say the first or second week we went to, Rich had a dental appointment, so I just worked her outside, and then we went to Sam's afterwards, and um, when she was nine weeks old, exactly, we took her to studios, to Hollywood Studios at Disney. You know, it was all outdoors. We didn't go inside. Even the the restaurant was kind of an open air restaurant. Um, no accidents. You know, she did fantastic. And to have that exposure is super duper. So Stephanie says, help on an overly friendly dog who struggles saying hi to strangers calmly. So this happens quite a bit. I actually talked to somebody who was using another trainer before she found us, and her trainer told her that her dog, who was a golden, who's usually a, a friendly dog anyway, right? As a breed, they're friendly, um, had to say hi to everybody. And now the dog's, I want to say over six months old, maybe eight months old, and is saying hi to everybody and won't focus on the owners. Well, the first thing we teach, there's three things. You want to know what they are? Sit because you need to focus, look at me, and their name. Those are the first three things that we teach. And we do it by capturing the behaviors. Uh, I'm not going to do, look at me, look, look right here. You see jazz hands? Look at me. No, not playing that game. The most I'll do is a to get that attention. Why? Is because what are strangers going to do to your dog? They're going to look and make kissy faces at your dog. And if kissy faces mean look at mom, you are set. Okay. So what I would do would be, she doesn't say hi. So usually again, until they're about six months old, I'm very limited in the people I let my dogs meet. That means they're not going to meet everybody. Uh, they'll meet a few people, you know, they'll meet people that I know while we're out. If there's someone who's not like, Oh my God, it's a dog. If they're like normal, I might say, do you want to help me train her? Do you want to just calmly, uh, pet them? And if, he jumps on you or he moves from his sit, just stop petting him and walk away or move back or whatever. So if the dog holds a sit and is calm, the dog can have some pets. I don't, because I'm lazy guys, I don't make them take the vest off to get pets and put the vest back on. When I'm working my dogs as puppies, they are vested all the time. So that's one of the reasons why I don't want the pets is because I want them to be doing their job. But once they hit six months old, I'll start socializing and I might go out a few times just to greet three people right? Again, it's not going to be everybody that he sees because that's what you end up with is an overly friendly dog who struggles saying hi to strangers calmly. They don't have to say hi to strangers. So work on just work on your upping your focus and ignoring strangers. So if they're like, oh, I'm going to say hi. No, now we're walking the other direction. See what happens when you act that way. <laughs> and here's the last question. And then we'll get to your questions in the comments. So make sure that you add your questions into the comments. And if you're listening to me afterwards, just go on the Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training Facebook page and send us questions and we'll add them maybe to the next webinar. So Stephanie also says, also, we just got chickens. So Ella is crazy excited about them. I fear it's prey thing though. Uh, tips on e-collar training to leave the chickens alone. You are asking the right person here. Guys, these questions tonight are amazing. They are just for me. Um, if... Let's see. Gypsy and Roma were both about five and a half months old when they discovered chickens. And Gypsy had one in her mouth and she was so proud. And I'm like, oh, hell no. So I had a couple options. One, I could have her on leash all the time. Now, remember when I told you we have over five acres? I don't want to have to have her on leash all the time. 
Uh, the other one is because my chickens are free range. So I could just not let her out during the daytime while the chickens are out because the chickens are free range. Well, that's not fair either. She has to go out and pee. I'm not going to take her out on leash to pee all the time. And I want her to run around and play and have fun. So that brings us to our third option, which was e-collar training. And yes, that is really, guys, honestly, and again, worked with thousands of dogs here. For parade drive, the only thing that is successful, truly, truly, honestly, is e-collar training. You know, I'm going to do positive reinforcement only training. And whenever he wants to go after a squirrel, I'm just going to pull out something better. What's better than going after a squirrel? You're going to have a stake. You have a stake in your pocket every walk. What happens if your dog just had a stake and another squirrel goes by? Your dog's not going to care about your stake anymore. So you have that problem. So, yeah, you do want to do e-collar training. Now, you don't want to do e-collar training for, uh, for correction right away. Okay, so what I mean by that is don't put it on your dog and zap the crap out of your dog because your dog's going after a chicken. That is totally the wrong way to do it. You need to spend time building that foundation and that communication first. Okay, that's what you need to do. And once you build that foundation of communication first, then that can help tell you your dog what to do. So if my dog is going to go after a chicken, right? I'm going to put the e-collar on. I'm going to introduce him to e-collar. I'm, no, I'm a professional. I can do this in a day, a couple of days, you know, right? But I want to do it slowly. I want to do it on a very low level at first. And as the dog's doing it and doing well, then I can use it to be, oh, heck no, you don't do that. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. So guys, please work with a professional. Um, do not attempt it on your own because then what happens is I got an e-collar. It was a $20 one from Walmart. Put it on him. I zapped the shit out of the dog and it didn't do a damn thing. No, it didn't. And now your dog's fearful, nervous, and peeing. <laughs> don't do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to have that dog. Trust me, you don't want to have that dog. So instead, just, just buy my online course. If you don't want the service dog course because you can't afford the $997 or $97 a month for 12 months, our Dream Dogs course is around $200 or I want to say three payments of $75. And you can get that if you go to dreamcanine.com and look at online courses. You can sign up, you can get that. But the Dream Dogs course covers the e-collar training. The Dream, the service dog course, I did not cover e-collar at all because it was already in the Dream Dogs one. So I thought there's no sense in doing it both places. So I didn't. So here we go. Some of the comment questions. Okay. Marlene says, I need help getting a 10-month-old golden retriever into the car. The family has always carried him into their Jeep Wrangler. Doesn't get car sick. I've tried uh, uh, very high-value treats and have switched from an SUV to a car and nothing. Do you have any ideas? Yes, totally. My golden retriever cannot jump into my Jeep Wrangler. So we have to lift her. And even whenever we had a, what was it? Rented a Kia Sportage. So that was way lower to the ground. It was like a car, but not. She still wouldn't jump in it because she doesn't realize she can jump into most of them. So I wasn't going to worry about it because I only had it for like 10 days while I was out in Missouri. But here's what you can do is um, she gets fed in there. So it's dinner time. Walk her out to the car. Put her bowl in the back seat. And you can sit in there if you want to with her. Uh, sit in there with the bowl of food and encourage her to come in or um, just put the food bowl in there uh, and put a chair out there and just sit and wait for her. She'll eventually get in there for it. Um, also, there's two other things I want you to work on, Marlene. One of them is place. Teach your dog a solid place. And the other one is jump through a hoop. Okay, what? How does that 
deal with getting into a car. So place gets you not comfortable with you telling him where to go, that he can trust you, right? So place, place, place. <coughs> oh, okay. Makes going to the vet a lot easier. And place to get into the car makes getting to the car a lot easier. Here's another sidetrack story is at Universal Islands of Adventure. We went to the Dr. Seuss area and we went on the fish ride. It's a narrow entrance to get into the fish mobile, the fish car. And Gypsy was like, mm. so I told her place and she got in. Yeah, told her place and she got out. Um, and then the hoop is to work on her jumping. So if you don't have a hoop, like they're like a buck at the dollar stores. But get a hula hoop and start with it sitting on the ground. Not sitting. Hold the hula hoop so the bottom of the hula hoop is touching the ground and just have her walk through it with a food on the other end so she goes through because she's a golden and she loves to eat. And she's doing that and she's comfortable going through it. I use HUP, H-U-P, is my jump command. So raise it an inch off the ground. Have her go through it. Two inches off the ground. Have her go through it a few times. Until you can hold it, like say a foot off the ground and she's jumping. Now... Be cautious on the surface you're doing this on. If you have her jumping on tile or hardwood or linoleum, she could slide. So this is best on carpet or outside in the grass or dirt or sand. Okay? But try those, and uh, and that should help you out tremendously. And uh, let's see here. We got another question from Shoshane. I had a horse walk past my apartment the other day and come up to me with reins and saddle on, but no rider. I live in a totally residential area with no farms or animals around. I was so happy. Roman was perfect and softly sniffed it when it came up to us. Animal control wouldn't believe him when I said I caught a horse where I live. That's awesome. And Kimmy said, thank you. And a few people say hi. And uh, Susan volunteered Sammy for grooming. <laughs> and Cara says she's doing lacy training as I speak. Uh, let's see here. Melissa says she's from Nova Scotia, Canada. Hello up there. Is it, I assume it's called up there. Uh, she's thrilled to have found us and she hopefully will be getting her service puppy in training in June. She's working on training tricks and tasks with the Doberman to get all the kinks out right now. <coughs> Sorry about that guys. That is super smart. So I know some people who will say like, I'm just going to wait until I get my new dog because what's the sense of working the old dog? Like she's already screwed up. Okay. Um, no, you've got it exactly, Melissa. Work on the dog that you have now and work on what you can do because it's going to be easier when your new dog comes. Uh, for example, this is a story I've told people numerous times is that when we got Arrow, I had no idea how to teach Tug. I mean, we could do like play Tug, but I wanted to do the real like nah, Tug for the Malinois. We didn't know what we were doing. So we got Michael Ellis's Learberg video. We watched that a few times and, and we played around and we ordered the, my first thing was a little bumper. We tried to tug him on a little bumper, but but we got it going. However, we did it wrong. We made it so animated. We built that that grab it that tug so far, but his out wasn't built up that high, right? So it's like that. So he never liked it out. Uh, and if we would have started softer, we would have done better. So Rue has an excellent out, and Gypsy has a really good out. Um, but Rue's is just amazing because. We figured out the kinks after that. Okay. Um, Michelle says, Bailey, no wine. That's what I do is say, Bailey, no wine. Yeah, that works. Uh, Claire says she has a person she's working with. What do you do for a four-month-old beagle resource guarding and biting? Owner says it's not mouthing but biting. Says the pup is stubborn and snap biting. Uh, I told her owner about bonking and a few other tips, opinions, ideas. Owners live in a condo with a tiny backyard. I told them it was the wrong breed for them. Oh, girl, not only the wrong breed, but 
the wrong dog of that breed, right? So there's like lazy beagles. I'm sure there's lazy beagles. But if four months old, if the dog's already resource guarding and biting and stubborn and snap biting, it's a crappy breeder. Even if the dog was perfect and they messed up the dog this month and two months, which I highly doubt, you know, guys, genetics is so strong and there's only so much you can do with it. Like I've told you before, right? I'm over six foot tall. I could never be a horse jockey. I'm never going to be a prima ballerina. Like it's just not going to happen, right? Even if I was younger, it still wouldn't happen. So with that, Claire, even though the dog's only four months old, um, what tools are they using on him? If they're not using a prong collar and having him leashed and in the crate at all times, if he is not eating from his hand to eat every meal, um, you know, I would get that going right away. And then I would introduce that dog to e-collar as soon as possible. And I'd also contact the breeder just to let them know what's going on to see if any other dogs in that litter are having any issues, right? That'll let you know what type of breeder you're dealing with. And you know this because you're an amazing breeder. Um, but it is hard. It's hard whenever they come that young with that many issues already. It's really difficult. Uh, so here, how do I get Bailey, Michelle says, to stop chasing cats? E-collar, honestly. I mean, there's there's really nothing else you can do for prey drive, guys. Um, I'm going to not let him around cats. Yeah, he's still going to see him, and he's still going to chase him. It's still going to be fun. You can try the bonker. Bonker, what's a bonker? Look up Gary Wilkes, W-I-L-K-E-S. Take a towel, ho-ho, roll it up, gum band on either end. When the dog goes after a cat, no, and chuck a bonker at him. Like, hey, it's not $200 to $700 like an e-collar is. You can try it and see how it goes. But um, but I have the most luck with that stuff with e-collars. I'm really good with e-collars. Um, Julie says, I have a five-month-old puppy that barks at people because her parents taught her it's okay to charge at people and bark. Her ex-parents would run loose and actually bite people. How do I teach her not to do that? <sighs> so, Julie, again, you are dealing with genetics. And, I mean, I could get negative reviews for saying this on, on the Dream Dogs page because I've gotten negative reviews for stating my opinion on things before. Um, for example, remember that husky who bit the kid underneath the fence and bit his arm off? And I said that that dog should take a dirt nap. Yeah, I got a negative review on Facebook for that. So if you want to counteract that and leave me a good review for telling it like it is, that would be awesome too. But Julie, at five months old, um, part of this is genetic. The parents will run loose and bite people, okay? And the parents taught her it's okay to charge your people and bite her. The only thing you can do, Julie, if you want to keep this dog is you have to get serious about training yesterday. Okay. That means, again, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what tools you're using. Um, E-collar, we'll start prong collar. Prong collar, e-collar, structure up the wazoo. And wazoo is a technical term uh, because you're going to have to put so much into this dog to get him to combat that genetics that, yes, it is possible. Like, will this dog, will the dog that Claire just talked about, will they ever be therapy dogs? Probably not. Will they ever be dog park dogs? Probably not. Will they ever be service dogs? Hells no. But they can still live a good life, right? And if, if the owners are committed, because I know owners think with their heart, right? They don't always think with their head. They think with their heart. So we want to make sure that things are going as good as possible. But that means you have to step it up and be serious. That means you have to put in training time every day. That means that you have to get that dog. And it's not just a prong collar, guys. It's not just an e-collar. It is the training behind it that works, which again, 
online course, go to Dream K9, that's D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number nine, dot com, and look at online courses. And if you do that and you look, I'll make sure that I'm telling you the right thing, dreamk9.com, that's my website. I also have How to Train Your Service Dog and Hope Service Dogs, Inc. But if you go to Dream K9 and you look at online courses, there's the Service Dog Trainer Program, Service Dog Training Program course, Dream Dogs Training Program course, the Perfect Potty Training System, Focus Intensive course, and Essential Oils and Dogs course. So if you want the Service Dog one, it's $997 or $97 a month for 12 months. If you go to the Dream Dog Training Program course, which, oh my God, I need to change the name on that one because that is such a mouthful. It's called 60 Days to Your Dream Dog. And what we have it set up at is a nine-week course where you work with your dog every day. We have charts. So you print up the chart and you can put it on your fridge and check it off um, because we want you to lay that foundation. Here's, these are the nine modules. You ready? Foundation. We cover the basics to set your dog up for success. Number two is lifestyle and equipment, including our canine lifestyle plan, tools, and more. Three is leash work. So that's where we introduce the collar. Four is upping the ante, asking more. Five, week five, we do e-collar, which is we call freedom because it gives you freedom. Six is upping the ante again, increasing distance, distraction, duration. Seven is focus. Eight is greetings. And nine is finish up and continue on. The price on that is $197 or three payments of $75. Guys, you can afford it if it saves your dog. You know what? Never mind. I'll just go to Petco and PetSmart because they have like courses for like $120 for like six weeks. Guys, you're getting nine weeks of training for $197. You can't afford not to do that because it's flipping amazing. Okay. Jane says, Jen and Remy checking in. Hi, all. Hi, guys. And Shashane says, any advice on stopping barking on regular walks? Roman just started rambling randomly barking at people and dogs that come around the corner without him noticing. It's not an aggressive bark. It's his, oh, I want to play like he does with my other pup at home. So if he's going to do that, there's a correction and a walk away. So if my dog's like, oh, I want to go say hi. <laughs> no. So correction and walk away. So you want to go here? You're going to go here because we don't play that game. Do you remember? What was that? I think it was in Living Color or something that homie don't play that. Yeah. Homie don't play that. If you're going to bark or be a jerk, there's a there's a consequence for your actions. Just like if you would walk and be a beautiful boy, it would get you closer to what you wanted, right? You walk at a beautiful heel, like I will go everywhere. And if I know you want to go over there and smell your female spot, like I will walk you over there because I love you and I love doing things with you. But we don't want dogs who are barking at people. Because you know what? Um, Shushin, you're saying that it's not an aggressive bark. It says, oh, I want to play bark. That's not what other people are going to hear. They're going to hear, oh my God, that dog was so aggressive. Did you hear how aggressive he was? Oh my God. He just like, dog came around the corner and he was like super nice. And, and like this evil dog just like started barking and stuff. Right. Uh, and, and you don't want that evil dog to be your evil dog. <laughs> you want it to be like someone else who has the evil dog. You want him to just be like the best dog out there. And for that, you want him to ignore him. And that means that there's a consequence for their actions. So yeah. Check out our online course, <laughs> dreamk9.com. And I'm saying this, guys, because there's a lot more to it, right, than just correct them. Because there's a right way to correct a dog and a wrong way to correct a dog. And with our course, I just read it to you with what we do. The first two weeks are clicker. The next two weeks are, are leash and collar. And then the time after that is leash, collar, and um, e-collar. Okay? So there's, there's the different 
things that you have to do. And I also know trainers who will say, put a prime collar on and jack the crap out of them. That's not the right way to do it. Okay. That is such the wrong way to do that. So I never, ever, ever recommend just correct the dog for, for whatever. Like you have to build that foundation first. And if you don't build that foundation first and you don't have that right communication, you're asking for more problems than less. Okay. So yes, correcting needs done, but whenever they understand what's going on, which is why I don't say just put an e-collar on your dog and zap them for going after a chicken. Because it doesn't work that way. So Claire says, super ideas. Marlene says, thank you. Jackie says, thank you. Great advice. Guys, I'm blushing. Uh, Claire says, breeder sold in the beagle at six weeks old. Yeah. And then Claire also asked about my favorite e-collars. I have three companies that we will work with, two that I do recommend. So the three that we'll work with um, is the e-collar uh, technologies. Uh, and that is usually what we use. That's what we sell is e-collar technologies. That's one of the brands that we sell. Um, I like them. They're good. You know, they have a great warranty. Uh, they have a half mile range on them. It's easy to use. Like it works. It's about $200 for the, the they call it the mini 300. It's about 199 ish. Um, we sell them for 199, but what we do for our clients, cause they're a bit cheaper on Amazon. So what we do is we upgrade the collar strap anywhere from a 20 to a 35, $36 upgrade. Um, and we just, we include that for our clients. So, so we like those ones. So e-collar technologies. Um, the next one that we like and that we sell is Martin systems. And that's the one from Bart and Michael Bellin. Uh, the problem with that is you have to get them over from Belgium uh, and they run just under $700 a collar, but it is the Ferrari of collars. Uh, why is because one of the main problems with e-collars is you don't know if you have good contact. So they have it set up with theirs that you know you're getting good contact. Um, it'll have like a running lights around it for the first two minutes. And if you put it on and you still get the running lights, you know it's not good contact. I've had it for about a month now. And about half the time I put it on thinking I've got good contact and I looked and I don't have good contact. So you can try tightening it and tightening it. It still is not getting you good contact. Uh, so instead you just kind of part the hair where the feathers are. Uh, the feathers is what they call their contacts and see if it stops beeping, if it stops or the flashing, the running lights. If it stops that, then you know you've got good contact and that works and that's what we want. So that's one of the reasons I really like the Martin systems is the, that it tells you that another is it's, it's hidden. Like it doesn't look like an e-collar. So that's really nice. A third is it has the finger kick. So that's a little, it looks like a big ring for your finger. So instead of having to fish out the controller and have the controller in your hand, which is a big signal to your dog that he has to listen now, you just have a little ring on your finger. So it really, it looks like this, right? And it's nothing. Uh, so that's really great. Uh, the new Chameleon 3s, you can tap it, or if you push and hold, it'll ramp it up. So if you do need it, you don't have to get the controller out. But the controller is super small, so it can fit in your pocket really easy, and you don't have to hang it around your neck. So mine will be going probably in my treat pouch or in my pocket um, once I get the new one, because mine currently is just the extender with the mini, but it's the older um, unit, so it doesn't have it where I can ramp it up, and I really like that. So those are three of the big features why I think it's totally worth the $700. I mean, you can get what they call the chameleon extender for the other e-collars. 
And then it's going to sit here and there's going to be islands. So the contact points are going to be probably somewhere over here, even though the box is sitting here. Now, the chameleon extender runs a little over 300. And it doesn't come with the finger kick. The finger kick itself runs around 200. So if you're looking at spending 200 for the e-collar technologies plus 300 for the chameleon extender plus another 200 for uh, for the finger kick, which doesn't work unless it's Martin Systems, but just bear with me here. That's what four, five, six, seven hundred dollars for a ick system, right? That doesn't work. So what we do is just just buy the chameleon. Now we wanted the large because I ordered eight of them, and I'm only keeping two of them. Um, but I had a whole bunch of people who were ordering, but they didn't have the larges in and we needed the larges for our dogs. Now the small will fit around your wrist like a necklace. So if you have a small dog, the small is what you want. The mediums for the next size up and then the larges for everyone else. So goldens, German shepherds, labs, labradoodles, normal size labradoodles, not like mini labradoodles. You all want the larges. So they are hopefully going to be in this week and... <coughs> I have my fingers crossed that we're going to get them before Saturday, um, but I don't think that we're going to get them before Saturday. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. Can we order the Martin Systems through you or from Belgium? Either one. If you go to Martin, let me see what it is because I'm drawing a blank right now. Excuse me, guys. Uh, it's Martin System, Martin System Shop. Okay. It's not plural. It's Martin System Shop. You can log in. Now, I am always happy to order for people um, just to make sure that you get the right thing. Um, so I can do that as well. And I do have them, like I said, shipping my order to me. Um, I'm going to check my order while I'm, I'm on here. Um, so we can save on shipping and just throw it in with mine. And then whenever we get it here, I can get it set up for you and ship it to you. That's not a problem. Link for the Martin System is like it's a martin system shop let me see if i can add this here martin system shop and what you want if you're ordering on your own okay you want the chameleon three okay chameleon three get the correct size um claire since you have labs you're going to want the large size and get the feathers. The feathers are the alternate contact points. So if you guys order through me, when they come in, what Rich and I plan on doing is changing out and putting the feathers in for everybody just because it's, I know how to do it. He knows how to do it. It's a lot easier. Um, so yeah, there we go. An extender to add, extender and e add on to your regular e-collar. Yes. Yeah. So if you look up, even e-collar tech sells them. I assume it's listed on their website. And again, I can get that for you too, if you want me to, um, and have it shipped directly to you, Claire. Or anybody but yeah so you have the box and then you have their islands so as you look at what martin systems has the chameleon three it is really sleek and the reason they call it a chameleon guys why would they call it a chameleon what's a chameleon it blends in with the environment right but you want the chameleon three you don't want the chameleon two but um but yeah like i said i'm happy to actually get a better price so i kind of help absorb the shipping that way um for my people so so yeah but I'm not, I'm not like pressuring, like whatever works. Okay, so here, back to, to here, favorite e-collars. Okay, then the third one, I do not sell them because I can't get a better deal on them. I order mine through Amazon when I need them, is Dogtra. So Dogtra was actually my first good e-collar that I got. It was a Dogtra, I want to say 1900, many, many, many years ago. 
Um, and they now have it with the finger kick. So I got the arc with finger kick and I ended up selling it because the chameleon three just, it, it met my needs better. Okay. Um, so I don't want to, why, why should I have the dog chair arc when I don't use it? And what I did is I put that money towards getting, getting another chameleon. That's why I have two of them coming in. So I'll have one for gypsy, one for new Mala puppy when he's old enough. And then Rue will get the, um, the other one. And then we're going to have two of the e-collar tech ones in for when we get boot camp dogs in and we're not sure if they're going to use an e-collar or not. Okay. So then Claire says, boo, pet co-training. <laughs> and Jeanette says, how do you stop marking? So what, who's marking what? Sometimes, and, and Jeanette breeds goldens, wonderful goldens. So um, I know she knows, but if, it's a boy who's marking in the house versus a boy who's marking outside versus, you know, potty accidents in the house. So I'm going to assume it's a boy who's marking outside on walks and he's just stopping to pee or she, some girls will mark too. She is stopping to pee on every tree that she finds and it is driving you nuts is you just you pop and go. He goes to pee. Uh-uh. Uh, and then what I'll do. So 15 minute walks. Okay. This is how we break down a 15 minute walk. Are you ready? This is super complicated. Seven and a half minutes out, seven and a half minutes back, set the timer on your phone so you know. Okay, seven and a half minutes isn't long. Before you go potty, before you start that timer on your phone, you stop and you let your dog pee. And then you start the timer and you're off. And don't do the timer, do like the countdown, not the count up. Like don't do the stopwatch, do the timer. I guess that would be best. So seven and a half minutes and go. And, and walk at a brisk pace. So if your dog's like, I'm gonna stop and pee, <laughs> no, we're walking. At seven and a half minutes, stop. Check out your surroundings, see where you're at. That is your walk. Give him another potty break. If he decides he doesn't want to pee or if he's peeing everywhere, let him pee everywhere, you know, or give him 30 seconds to pee, like whatever you want to do. And then you're going to do the seven and a half minutes home. No, you don't need the timer for that one because you're heading home. But here's what we did in Gainesville is because we were in town in a condo. If we turn left, that was one way to go. If we turned right and turned, we can go this way. If we turned another way, we can go that way. If we turned a third way, we could go that way. So we knew where the seven and a half minute mark was, eight minutes, right? So we knew where those marks were. So we would just go for a walk down there and back. So if I was having a slow walking day, that's fine. Um, if we're briskly doing it, that's fine too. So we'd get dogs in who were like, I don't have to pee. I'm going to mark on the walk. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. So then I'm like, no, you're not allowed to pee here or here or here or here or here or here. Now you can pee. And I also put potty on command. So I use go potty. So what I'll do is I'll stop, grab the end of the leash, right? I won't hold down the leash. I'll just grab the end of the leash. I'll plant my feet, grab the end of the leash, and I'll tell him go potty and wait and wait some more. And when he finally finishes going potty, you don't want to do it right because he's squatting down, and that's when you're going to want to do it. Just wait for him to finish. Tommy's a good boy. If you have a clicker and treats, click and treat at that point. And you'll know too, because these dogs can mark on walks. And we had a female who wanted to do it. Boo, my first one, the Husky, she wanted to mark all the time on walks. Mm -mm, we're not playing that game. So we broke her that pretty quickly. Now, we also had a dog years ago who came into the training center and that was the only place he would mark. Only place. This dog was not only a therapy dog, he was a service dog. And he had been out there. He had been in Dogwood Park, I think, when I did classes there. But he would only pee in the training center. When he would come in, he would pee. So we tried some different things. We tried to belly band for him. So he'd pee and he'd feel it. Yeah, he didn't care. So the dog was already e-collar trained. So I said, look, this is what we're going to do. 
because this is an unwanted behavior. It's not like he has to pee. He's doing it to mark it as his own territory because we have a lot of dogs who come in. So next time in, on the way in, he lifts his leg. He got e-collar. Guess what? He never tried to pee in the training center again because then he learned that that was wrong. And no matter how frustrated we had got with him beforehand, and his owner got more frustrated than I did because, you know, it was the training center dogs peed there. Not all the time, but, you know, we had cleanup kits. Uh, he never did it again. And again, not saying that if you have a dog who marks, that's the answer. But by Jove, that was an awesome answer to that question. Okay. So Shashane says, makes sense. Just been in total brain fog lately. Oh, it happens. And you know what happens too is you guys are close to the issues. I'm not. So I can look at it. I know. Now, when I have a problem with one of my dogs, I freak out too. And that's why I have Rich. And he's like, this is what you do. And I'm like, yes, that is what I do. So Susan says, I found a good trainer at Petco and she doesn't belong there. Right. And there are, there are good trainers at Petco. There are good trainers at PetSmart, but most of them move on when they realize how tied their hands are because corporate dictates how they train. Uh, and it's hard. It's hard that way. But, you know, they really shouldn't be using, I don't want to say punishment, but consequences uh, because they're not well-versed on how to do it. You know, a lot of, not all, but a lot of Petco and PetSmart trainers were like cashiers the week before. And then they took the online course with Petco and now they're certified dog trainers. And again, not all of them, but, um, but I'd see that quite frequently. Um, Shelly says, yes, I have a previously well-behaved dog. Uh, that has marked in my bed since bringing, bringing in a new puppy. Yeah, so he's trying to claim it as his. Um, if that's what he's doing, oh, heck no, he's not a lot up in the bed. You pee in my bed, you are not coming back in there. And now you're going in a crate too. But I'm going to give you extra special love time. Like we're going to go out and do something super fun every day with the older dog. So the older dog understands that he still has a place near and dear to your heart right? And the puppy is not a young whippersnapper who's taken his place. So yeah, no one sleeps in my bed anymore. You know, and, and Shelly, it can change. Arrow used to sleep in, in bed with us. And oh my God, and he'd crawl up the bed. He'd come in at the feet. He'd crawl up the bed until his head was on a pillow and he was sharing pillow with us. And he would lay on his back like a purse with his legs up in the air. And I love that. And I miss him so much. And I miss snuggling with him in bed and having him in bed. And I've tried to get Gypsy up there. And she'll come up for a little bit, but she won't sleep the night. Even in Missouri when it was cold, she'd come up and she'd cuddle with me, but she'd get down. Um, and here we have tile floor in the bedroom. So I think it's just cooler for her having such a thick coat. So she doesn't want to be up in bed where it's hotter. And I miss it. And it's stupid. And I'm a dog trainer and I have Rich to sleep with. And he's got his beard, so he's kind of hairy. But it's not the same. You know, so shall we try spending extra time with your other dog and see if it changes? Um, because, you know, I know I know where you're at. I, I know how it goes. So like new Mal, Mal puppy is not sleeping in bed with us until he is older. But gosh, I hope it works out. And we've actually had dogs who come out for boarding. Um, one woman, they loved to cruise before they had the new baby. So they go on all these cruises. And so we'd get the dog and and it was Hart. Hart was her name. And so she, she'd get run of the house when she was out here because she was out here so much and she didn't have any issues. And she'd nap with me. I'd take her up in bed with me. I'd nap. Um, and I'd nap with her and Arrow would come up. So it'd be me and Arrow and Hart all up in bed napping together. It was fantastic. 
Um, Melissa says, never understood pet cut training. Why would I pay someone to work at a retail store to train my dog when I can find someone who actually knows what they're doing with 20 plus years of experience for nearly the same price? Yep. We saw it a lot in Gainesville. People would be, because uh, my group classes were four weeks for 150. And uh, well, why should I go there when I can go to PetSmart for 120 for six weeks? And I'm like, dude, that's on you, but you get what you pay for. So Anjanette says, oh gosh, I don't have that problem. He's only 10 months and will occasionally mark, but I've started redirecting him when his nose gets too low. Yeah, yeah, that works. You know, and if you see him start to lift his leg, a no works. Um, you can do a bonker. Um, you can do it like a clap, like not a yay clap, but like a stop it, you know, and let him know. Make sure that when you clean it up that you're using an enzyme cleaner. We use Otoban. Um, some people just want to use soap and water or use vinegar, and I recommend using an enzyme cleaner. Uh, Shelly says he's done it twice, previously never had an accident in the house, and he's six years old. Oh, gosh. And then we get to where we talked about the Martin systems, and excuse me, Claire says she thinks she'll order from me since I know what she needs. So, yeah, let me know if you do, Claire, and like I said, I can add it to the order if we get it in before the order ships. And they also have bark collars. So, guys, I have four bark collars that I don't use because I don't use bark collars all that much, but they have one, but it's like I think around 200, probably more. Um, but it comes with a chameleon extender too. Like, dude, the chameleon extender on its own is 300. So it's like you're paying me to take a bark collar. Uh, so I kind of want to try that, but I can't really justify it because we use the e collar stuff. Uh, yep, Susan, I have one for you coming. Yep. And then Claire says, my older 12 year old Aussie marks over my lab's pee. Funny. Oh, so we use that to our advantage when we're out. Um, Zoe will over pee anybody. But, you know, we had four dogs at Universal over the weekend. So one of them peed. And so we're like, bring the other dogs over here. Maybe they'll want to over pee. And it worked. Shelly says, I have a male golden that's marked on my bed twice. Started after the new golden puppy. He never did inside accidents. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. And Anjanette says, thank you. And Claire says, there's a million food smells in a pet store. And it can't be good for training. Yeah, it smells. Not only that, Claire, but so many of them host adoption events. And not all those dogs are fully vaccinated whenever they come in. Uh, and Shelly says, yeah, I miss my sleep, buddy. And Melissa says, I always let the oldest stay in bed with us. Everyone else gets beds in our room or crates, especially the first year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the oldest for us is Zoe. She can't make it up into the bed. Rue, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. He, he doesn't want to come up into bed anyway. So like I said, for me, it's usually my service dog. Um, now, when our bed was lower and Zoe was younger, she would sleep up in bed with us all the time. So now, if we have to do something with the bed frame, you know, and we put the bed on the floor, Zoe runs up onto the bed and she loves it. So what we have in our closet, so you see that door right there? And then like the doorway behind it, that's like dark. That's our closet. That's our bathroom and then our closet. So uh, we have a, like a beanbag chair with a comforter folded up on top of it. So that's Zoe's bed. So that's usually where she sleeps now. And it's great because it's super comfy. It's more comfy than getting up on the bed with the blankets and everything. She has her own blanket there that she can lay on top of and she doesn't have to be on the ground. Sometimes the other dogs steal it, but it's usually Zoe's. Um, and Jeanette says, my golden sleep in the shower after they get their snuggles. That's cute. Mine don't. <laughs> um, Shelly says, thank you. And Claire says, when do you get your new mail? I talked to Ivan about a month ago and he said I was 14 to 16 on the list of males. And he had two litters right before then. So I don't know if he's counting those two litters or not. And then he has, um, he has two expecting litters. So I don't know how he does his, his counts, 
but I'm hoping soon. I'm hoping he's born soon so we can start the training. And because I'm kind of freaking out, you know, um, we have conference in, yeah, letter J and I are here. He's waiting to hear on K and L. Um, so to keep us occupied, I look them up and I see what, you know, what the parents are like. And, um, then we talk about names, what names we'd want, but, um, Gypsy should be coming into heat and getting knocked up around September and September is when conference is. So I don't know if she's gonna be able to come to conference. And if we have Malapuppy, even if he's born today, he's going to be less than six months old by the time we go. And he's not a service dog at six months old. So he's not gonna be able to fly as a service dog. And to drive to Colorado is 26 hours, 25 hours, something like that. It's hella long time. So I can't use Rue as a backup because that's not going to happen. So I've been looking at other dogs. So if anyone hears of a golden or a Doberman, a black Doberman from European lines, let me know. Um, Cause I'm kind of looking at those. I'm waiting to hear back from somebody, but, um, but, and then it's talking rich into it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then Anjanette says the marking is outside, not inside. Outside makes it a lot easier. Anjanette. Yeah. That's what we want is outside. Okay. So I hear Rue with the food bowl in there, he wants to eat. Um, and I've been going for an hour and 20 and I need to take a break. So I'm going to sign off guys. This Saturday, if you live in the area and you want CGC testing, come on out to the ranch. We're doing CGC testing from 10 until 11 or noon. Um, and then we're gonna do a potluck for lunch. Usually we go out to lunch, but since we're gonna be here at the ranch, we're gonna do a potluck. I will be sending an email with information on what to bring for the potluck, how that's gonna be organized so we don't get as uh, Kara said today, we're not going to get, you know, everyone bringing a plate of brownies, but you know, that might not be bad. Um, so yeah, there's a European Doberman breeder not far from you. If you're talking about the vet, oh, what's her name? Lee McBride. I don't know if she's actively breeding right now, but let me know, Terry, because I know our neighbors breed, but I don't know who they breed and I haven't been able to find them online. So I'm going to have to send Rich over, <laughs> but I kind of don't want a puppy. I kind of want at least six months old to a year. Two years old would be fine too. Um, but yeah, so I will see you guys. Check emails. I'm um, like I said, CGC testing. If you're one of my clients um, and you've been doing the training with us, it's no charge. If you are not, it's $25. But um, but yeah, and then we have the potluck too. And you get to play with baby goats if you bring a crate for your dog. So it'll be super fun. Okay, so take care. Have a great week and I will catch you later.